0: Beer and surfing are both about storytelling, like Mm -hmm. whether you're sitting out there surfing, you're talking about your waves while you're here, you're talking about whatever. Like that's what drinking a beer is always about. It's telling stories.
1: That's Nick of Last Wave Brewing Company. Welcome to Over Beers, a craft beer conversation podcast. I'm Freddie Clark. I recently visited Last Wave's tasting room and found out how two guys, Nick and Bert, with a love of both beer and surfing, decided to combine them and create a brewery in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. During our conversation, the topic of home brewing came up, as it often does when you talk to people who have open breweries. So before we get into the interview today, let's talk a little bit about home brewing. If you wanted a beer during colonial times, you were a home brewer or knew one real close. Almost everyone brewed. Drinking water was considered dangerous because sources were usually contaminated. Since pathogens cannot survive in it, beer was considered a safe and nutritious alternative to drinking water. Many of the founding fathers were home brewers, including Washington, Jefferson, and Madison. During Prohibition, home brewing had a renaissance. Since you couldn't legally buy alcohol, you had to make your own at home. It was illegal to do so and remained that way until 1979. Most commercial breweries didn't survive Prohibition, and the beer varieties in the U.S. dwindled to the point of almost only one style lightly flavored American lager. If you wanted something else with a different taste, you had to make it yourself. In 1969, Fred Eckhart's book, A Treatise on Lager Beers, was the first to address home brewing. It was soon followed by Quality Brewing by Byron Birch and Charlie Papazian's watershed book, The Complete Joy of Home Brewing in 1984. He taught home brewing classes and shared some of his favorite recipes. In 1979, President Jimmy Carter signed legislation making homebrewing legal. Charlie Papazian and Charlie Mattson formed the American Homebrewers Association, publishing the first magazine dedicated to homebrewing, Zymergy. Then they launched the National Homebrew Competition, and then in 1982, the Great American Beer Festival. Today, homebrew clubs and homebrew supply shops play a major role in homebrewing. You can find kits from the simple to the complex to start your brewing. Quality supplies and ingredients are easy to come by. Clubs are a great source of information, as members are always willing to share beer as well as their knowledge. Do a simple web search on homebrew clubs in your area, and you're going to find clubs all over the place. In future episodes of Over Beers, I plan on having some groups on to talk in depth about what they're up to. Homebrewing can be as simple or as complex as you want to make it. We no longer need to homebrew to avoid prohibition or deadly water, but people do it for all kinds of reasons. It can be fun to try to replicate styles and flagship beers on your own. Expand on recipes with different ingredients or the social aspect of sharing the beer you've made with friends. Which gets us back to Nick and Bert of Last Wave. They started out brewing at home and now they have their own brewery and tasting room. We sat down in that tasting room in Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey to have a conversation over beers. Yeah, I'm Bert Rowling. Bert, Bert Rowling, huh?
0: And I'm Nick Jurley.
1: So you guys both, you guys grew up together?
0: You guys knew each other growing up? Yeah. Yeah, we right. met in, like, eighth grade, yeah, playing soccer. Okay. Um, and, you know, we both liked skiing and snowboarding and eventually surfing. And it turns out our dads actually grew up, like, around the corner from each other. All right, so your dads knew same, each other, yeah, too. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, yeah, one of those things. But, yep. yeah, we, we went to different grade schools, and we went to the same high school. And then okay from there, it's kind of how it snowballed.
1: Was there ever talk about doing something together as you were growing up? Oh, no, it wasn't no. like we weren't high school sweethearts or anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a valid question. Um, but uh, we we definitely, you know, like Nick said, we we ran in similar circles, so okay. we had had some fun together when we did hang out. But uh, but then actually, we we went off to college. I roomed uh, at Stockton uh, with Nick's brother. Okay, and he went to Rowan, and we still saw each other a bunch. But really, kind of the the. The interest in craft beer, I think, came from some of the travels that we got to do uh, while you know while we were in college and just out of college and uh, experiencing other things besides the college light beer scene. Right. right. Um, so that kind of <laughs> there's that more kind
1: of the world more of the world than just Bush. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yep. Keystone. Yep.
2: Um, so we uh, we really just I kind of had to understand why and how it worked. Um, that's kind of a, a mantra of mine, like, you okay. know, I really like to understand the behind the scenes. How, okay. how does it work? Why does it work? Um, and so we, we bought our first beer kit,
1: I think about an, a year after school, right?
0: Yeah, we were probably 23, okay. 24, yeah, it was now yeah, what,
1: what were some of those trips that showed you that there was more to life, more the beer than just the light college beer? I yeah, mean, what was Colorado.
2: Oh uh, yeah, we went to Colorado. Okay. Um,
1: that was a, that was a big one. Yeah, Definitely, Colorado's a big beer town, um,
0: and we traveled a lot, lot separately too. Yeah, that's like I said, Vermont. Like spent a lot of time skiing. I mean, we're known for our uh, our probably our most popular beer, which is unfortunately out right now because it goes quickly. Is a coconut porter, and that's one. When I graduated college, me we I uh, went out there with some friends, and right next to the Maui Brewing tasting room, and I. Try this beer, and I was like, I mean, this was before we started homebrewing, but I had been working, I, you know, I actually got my interest in craft beer from, at an online journalism class, and I was like, we had to start a blog, and it had to it could be about anything, but it had to be news related, and I'd just turned 21, so, you know, this is going back like 10 years ago, this is, okay. you know, um, so it was 10 years ago, and I was, in, I was in Rowan, and there was, you know, a lot to do in the Philly beer scene, you know, South Jersey, there was still, you know, you had flying fish right there, even back then, there was some good stuff, and Glassboro had some great, uh, um, liquor stores that had serious Craft Beer going back, like I said, to 2007, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of started covering. I saw this whole scene as, like, it's just very different. Like, you know, the fact that I could email, you know, Robin and Gene from Flying Fish as a 21-year-old student. They took the time to take me on a personal tour and, like, and I answered all my questions. And like, it was just, like, it was just different. And it, like, mm-hmm. kind of stuck with me. And then, like, from there, I was, you know, I was reviewing beers, rating beers, you know, talking to liquor store managers, covering AC Beer Fest the first time I went. Um, and like I said, from there, it was like every time I went somewhere, you know, it was, you know, what's what's the local beer? Sure, you know beer like I said, it was just a way to connect with somebody, you know, because people that like good beer are very passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's what the nice thing about a tasting room was everybody's here to try beer and that's enough to get them talking if they've never met each other. Right. So, yeah. you know, but yeah, we kind of traveled separately, you know, into Hawaii and like I said, to try a coconut porter out there. I mean, those guys are the... OGs oh, of it so yeah. it was like was just kind of like stuck in my mind I was like I don't think I've ever seen a beer like that and then they didn't really see a beer like that on the east coast and we kind of took that and just worked with it and you know okay so what got you back together again and brewing together
1: I so you said you bought a homebrew kit yeah what yeah. was the where was the connection to bring you guys back to do that together it's just yeah, jobs, just really yeah, jobs
2: really yeah I, <laughs> one of okay. my beer travels had been to the west coast i did a lot of traveling for adventure travel trips so i spent a lot of time in like oregon okay um around the uh, in and around the portland and bend area so there the beer scene out there is great as well um but uh but yeah so after the summer time i would work here for the winter and really kind of just set up trips for the next year and that kind of thing and um kind of slowly really got me more into the marketing side of things where you know nick and i lived very close by down in brigantine right outside atlantic city Mm -hmm. um and obviously we've been friends for a long time so we started hanging out and talking about beer and you know what what would it take to brew some beer and so that was kind of the one of the catalysts to just get their homebrew system try it out once and Mm -hmm. see what what came of it we didn't have any like you know
1: illusions of grandeur that at that yeah. point he was yeah, kind of 23 just like, years old he like
0: said it was something to do and there was no waves or yeah anything. right okay and how was the how was the first batch it was fine. It was drinkable. Yeah, it was in the winter. I remember we didn't <laughs> couldn't figure out how to cool it down, so we just stuck it in a snowbank outside. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it> was, <laughs> I mean, it was like, there was a great homebrew shop down there, and now that guy that started it owns a Tomfoolery. Uh, it was tap okay. at Homebrew, yep. so like I said, he was our go-to guy when we first started. He answered a lot of questions for us, and he helped us, you know, kind of like, you know, figure out as we started to go beyond just like a basic kit. Like, then we started to, mm-hmm. you know... Kind of look what he's doing, or you know what basic recipes we could put together ourselves. You know, you know recommendations. Like, and that was always a great place to. Do. There was always guys in there you could talk to. So yeah, kind of like I said, you just first one was drinkable. So you're like, well, let's try this step, again. You're yeah, a step yeah, yeah. ahead. Yeah. Let's try this again. And then like I said, Bert's nature is always like, well, how can we, you know, what could we do to make this better? And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, we're, you know, we had this new piece of equipment, and this new piece of equipment. All of a sudden, we couldn't fit it on a stove anymore. So we're out in the yard. And then, you know, then okay. you like I said, everybody has that. Anybody that drinks a beer has a conversation, you know, we should start a bar with our friends or if you're making the beers, we should start a brewery together. together yeah. yeah. You know, and right? I, think, I think some of that early, some of those early
2: beers, it was really good to have like local support from like Sean Attappett because he, I mean, I think that that is, that's probably a turning point for a lot of people like brewing beer is not easy. It's, it's a lot of cleaning. Yeah. So, um, that's one of those things where if the if the first four beers all come out bad well then maybe you give up yeah, But yeah. if you have somebody supporting you with like okay this is kind of what i think you should be doing here right um it kind of helps really kind of ignite that spark
1: it's a very common theme that i'm hearing and talking to all the brewery owners and and brewers in in new jersey is that everybody is so helpful to one another whether it be the homebrewers the guilds a homebrew shop other breweries other you know, everybody yeah. is kicking in and is willing to answer the question, help you out. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a and it's very cool because not only is the not only are the people who like beer like a, a like a, a cool community, but you guys have this other community that's part of it, but a little yeah, yeah. separate, yeah. but is also but is
0: also very nurturing and helpful to one another. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's true. Like I said, we are first and foremost beer fans. We wouldn't mm-hmm. be here if we didn't like drinking beer too. I mean, mm-hmm. like I said, so we're part of that, but like I said, that's it, the same mentality we had as like I said, you know, when you go to a bar, people say, have you tried this beer? You can go here and find it. Like it's the same thing now that we're brewers. You know, if we need some grain, like, you know, somebody's going to come and you, know, you call somebody up and they're going to help you out because, you know, someone helped them out and, you know, you just keep... Paying it forward, basically. Mm-hmm. Like I said, even when I was out in San Diego, which is I, that's why I, I got it, went out there. Like once we said, like maybe we should try this. It was, you know, to twist my arm to go live in San Diego and live <laughs> a block from the Pacific Ocean and you know surf. And but I, you know, I got a job at Mission Brewery, and like I said, it was it was eye opening to see like you have some of the most biggest, most you know, well respected breweries in the world, and we you know brewed we brewed a batch of beer for Coronado when they were redoing their brew system. Like I. Use the the description that's like McDonald's brewing a, or making Whoppers for Burger King because you, know, you can't imagine that happening, but that is that's even on the scale of San Diego where it's right. a very competitive, saturated market that it's still you know friendly right. you know because the idea is that with craft beer like nobody's ever just drinking one like you no matter what you no matter how good your beer is nobody's gonna just drink the same craft beer the idea is that there's so much out there like that. You know, the more great beer there is out there, the better everyone does. Because, right. Because, you know, you know, like I said, the Jersey Shore has done pretty well. There's a lot of breweries around here. There's a lot of good breweries making good beer, so yeah. that's drawing people from all over. So that yeah. helps everyone. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just I mean,
1: up and down, and and it's been the last five years or so. There's got to be right now what six or seven within ten miles.
0: Probably? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you look know. at if you make Asbury Park, when I mean, you notice, I mean, you got. Two in town, one in Neptune, one about to open in Bradley. You got mm-hmm. Kane is right, you know, two or three miles away, you mm-hmm. know. Jug Handle, like they're all, like I said, that's five or six, you know, within three or four miles of each other. Each other, yeah. yeah. They're all doing well, and they're all making pretty good beers, yeah. so. No, and, and if you're a beer fan, it's win-win-win, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you start to see the bus tours coming around, like the, you know, which is something that was in San Diego, they had, it was like every day, you know, they have companies, that's all they do is, mm-hmm. you know, they set up bus tours, and people come, like it's a whole... It's a tourism driver for San Diego County alone. Besides surfing the beach, beer is the other. Re- I mean, I, when I worked there, I'd meet people that traveled from all over, just that come to San Diego to try all the different breweries. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you yeah, know, that's what drove you out to San Diego. So you guys were home brewing and saying to yourselves, "We want to do this." So yeah. the, the next step was let me go to San
0: Diego and. Well, yeah. And, I mean, it was kind of. Some, a, it was a couple of factors. My brother had moved from moved there, he he worked out there, and he, you know, he was looking for a roommate, and I was like, you know, it's, you know, this, like I said, we're going back to 2012, right, when the laws changed, that was one of the other, like I said, in the past five or six years, that's really, that's what it that was, 2012 yeah. law changed, and then it was like, you know, what we thought we could accomplish became realistic, you know, mm-hmm. from a legal standpoint, um, so then it was like, all right, you know, how can we do this, and it kind of, like, everything just kind of fell together, like, you know, San Diego's a great, huge beer industry town, where there's, you know, large-scale breweries that somebody with just homebrew experience can get, you know, you know, I was cleaning kegs. Yeah. Entry level, on the bottom line. Yeah, dude. But like, honestly, like I said, you, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of great homebrewers out there that can make quality beer that anybody would want to drink, but like to see how a brewery operates on that scale, I mean, because it is ordering, it's figuring out how, you know, to track, you know, your beer schedule, you know, quality control. Like those are kind of things you don't, can't, no matter how much you homebrew, you can't like see, you know they maintain margins and how they do shipping and handling and you know grain disposal because those are all those things that like all of a sudden when you're about to open you're like oh like you know how do you do it you know you're still talking to brewers anyway but you know go out there like I said and just learn from you I mean we met some amazing like I said those guys are still open and interested I mean we met guys from society and modern times the guys that were so willing to help out like just some some young guys just mm-hmm. asking questions like you know I got to meet some guys that are brewing at some of the more impressive Breweries in the country now, just like said, because that was the way the industry, and that's why you go out to a place like that, because it's, you know, it's it's a hotbed for uh-huh. a brewers talent, like you know. So oh, okay. it definitely helped. Like I said, it yeah. wasn't like oh, I learned how to brew this beer. I learned it was just like this is how a brewery operates. It's right. not just you know making beer. Making great beer is important, but figuring out how to make money and sell great beer is like the way you're going to stay you know competitive and you know keep making beer. Keep yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah. That's the business <laughs> right. aspect, and that is a lot tougher to figure out than, right. you know, so. And what were you doing? Did you go to San Diego as well, or did you
2: stay here? No, I visited, but, visited, uh, okay. but I, I stayed here. And right before that, um, we had kind of made that transition to starting to think about doing this, like, professionally. Um, and we started just kind of working on one beer at a time to understand the changes in, you know, more of a you know, kind of... Engineering, mechanical side of things. Like what does this change result in the flavor at the end of the beer? Mm-hmm. And so like iterating a little bit, finding the, that nice sweet spot that we wanted in each of our beers. That was kind of what I was doing some of at home. We started doing that before Nick left. And then um, I just kept, kept brewing. Kept All right. Brewing so you were lot, here brewing and tinkering and, and
1: figuring yeah, stuff out. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Now how many of those recipes that you were tinkering with back then are on the board right now so um,
2: I think this this was our first one Uh, we're drinking the red right now uh, red sky this this was the one that we kind of uh, I think it was the first beer that people stopped or maybe not stopped but people started to look at this as beer and not like this project that Burton Nick are bringing over, you know. So <laughs> yeah, um, like maybe surprise them in a good way. Like, yeah, like, exactly, okay. exactly. Like, oh, okay, this is like, you know, I can I can see this. Um, so this is the first one. We probably brewed it like six or seven times in a row to, to understand, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when you're a home brewer, uh, the fun one of the biggest and most fun parts about home brewing is you just brew all the beers, right? You want to brew a Belgian quad. You want to brew a triple IPA. Yeah. You want, and you bounce around and sometimes it's hard to understand the influences of each of the changes on your final beer, because okay. you get a recipe, and then you yeah. brew it, and then, you know, you get... Yeah. Like, what is, what is fermenting
0: at a slightly lower temperature, a slightly higher temperature, due to the same ingredients, you know? Right. you know, If we juggle our hop additions at this time, or, you know, you know, like I said, if we add slightly more grain, or, you know, like I said, those are the things, like, there's our home brewers that are doing it, but, like, we're doing it for, for a reason. We wanted right. to, like... You had a goal in mind. And we had and, the idea yeah. of the beer we wanted, and we wanted to make sure that was as not only was it right, but that we could do it more than once. Uh-huh. Yeah. A scientific approach, what was your, what did you guys study in college? So
2: a uh, chemistry degree would have been helpful, <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, I'm a business management major in okay. yeah. uh, mixed communication. So, you know, I think that kind of sets us up uh, well on the, um, on the business side of things, you know, mm-hmm. kind of helping to, to push the message and find the brand that we want to be. Um, to, to everybody else but uh, on the brewing side it was you know our majors weren't as helpful Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I
0: well, think just we you, it had very, and, you, you had a passion you had yeah. a
1: very scientific approach it sounds like yeah. you know where you're doing the same thing over and over again changing one yeah. thing well like uh, you said, so, that
0: goes back right. to talking to the other people that were doing it because right. like I said you, yeah. you, at first you're kind of just you know swinging in the dark and hoping to hit something but like you talk to guys and guys say, well this is what I do you know mm-hmm. you know when we figured out that fermentation temperature is very important, you know, there's a difference between putting it in your closet and hoping everything comes out, right? We're building, you know, a refrigerator where you can temperature control it so it maintains, you know, 68 or 69 or whatever mm-hmm. you're trying to get it at. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, this made a difference. And then yeah. like, like I said, once you get some of that success, you want to figure out how to make it better. And then like I yeah. said, there's so much information out there. I mean, we, we're lucky to live in the internet age where like, yeah. you know, you're a few yeah. clicks away from pretty much any, you know, especially with all the pro brewer and home brewer forums out there, you know, there's plenty of information out there so yeah I mean that was just like I said we at a certain point were like if we're gonna do this like you know you have to take it seriously mm-hmm. like you have to figure out you know what you know how how these guys are making great beer you know how they can maintain you know the quality of a, of, a, of a specific beer over years of years as you know as you know hop flavors change from you know crop to crop like you know there's definitely adjustments that go into it and you learn that like say right. when you work at a real brewery and then just I'm just doing it for long enough and you see, like
1: so well, that's and that's what amazes me even like the, with the the big ones, right? The macro breweries, even look, even you know, wherever you're gonna fall on Budweiser, the fact that there's five breweries across the country, six, five or six. And whether you go to New York and buy a bud, or San Antonio, Texas and buy a bud, or Oregon and buy a bud it's gonna sit, taste exactly yeah. the yeah. same yeah. yeah you know which so you know whatever you if your feelings about the beer is yeah the fact yeah. that they have consistency down across the country at multiple locations yeah. is impressive
0: that's yeah, very yeah. impressive yeah you know like I said anything on scale like just thinking about you know the small amount of grain we go through and like mm-hmm. trying to figure it out and then like like I said that all creates you know issues like I said when you anything on scale like it's just hard to imagine, but it is impressive when you figure out, like, you know, how Sam Adams tracks all of their labels and sh- you know, like I said, because you have to main, you know, whether you're making this much or, you know, 80,000 barrels a year, you have to maintain quality across mm-hmm. all that or it's going to hurt you, so. Yep. 2012, you're in San Diego, you're here tinkering.
1: At what point, what brought you guys back together to say, we're ready to go, let's, let's go?
2: Ah, uh, um, I'm trying to
0: think if there's like a singular catalyst. No, yeah, I mean, like I said, the plan was always to come back. Like, right, yeah, but what was, yeah.
1: what, at what point was it we're ready?
0: I mean, it wasn't, you always think you're ready, but like we moved back and I was like, well, I was like, you know, we, we have some good beers, but like, you know, do we have, have we thought about it all? Like I said, we, you know, we probably could have opened a couple of years earlier, but it was, we wanted to make sure like we had some good recipes, but we wanted to okay. make sure that they were great. Like I said, we had one or two, but then it was like, you know, like I so said, the best advice I ever got was find three or four beers you can make and make them well. And if you're going to start a brewery, like make sure you can do that. You know, don't try to go over the top, just, you know, pressing it just because, you know, some one person may only try one beer. So you better make sure every beer you put out there is like well executed, done well. So we kind of just, I mean, I came back and like, you know, after about a year, a year and then we just like the same thing, just, you know, researching how to start a brewery, okay. reading books on it, you know, and still that whole time, just fine tuning the same four or five beers and then okay. adding one or two here like that we might want to use and then, and just understanding the process better and better. Okay. Yeah, we still don't want to
2: lose the passion of brewing. Like, we really got into it because of the flavors that come mm-hmm. out at the end, right? So, um, we still tossed a few like, curveballs in there every yeah. once in a while when we're doing the scientific mm-hmm. approach. It's, it's still fun to have, you know, make, making sure we had some fun. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think uh, then it was about, we spent about a year and a half um, just continuing to brew once he got back um, and like you said, we we're reading as much as we could possibly read and we we're um, really just kind of ironing out if this was a viable business opportunity, which seems, it seems like a funny thing to, to say because of how large craft beer is like blowing up. But you know, they, we're, we're about to spend yeah. a lot of money on yeah. something <laughs> like this. That was it. That's, like how much we money do we wanted have to, make to spend, sure that, or, You, you know.
0: know, how much money do we have to spend? Where can we do it? You know, like. Right. You know, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered before you, like, you don't want to jump, you know. You don't want to put the wagon before the horse. Like, you want to... Okay, what? so
1: let's take one of those questions. The where. So we know you guys like to surf. Yeah. Wanted to be in a beach town. What brought you to Point Pleasant? So I think it was, it was a
2: combination of... I was very comfortable here because I'd spent a lot of time. Um, my aunt and uncle live not too far away. So I spent a lot of summers down this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was also a draw toward here because there was a kind of a blossoming beer scene up in that Asbury area, like mm. Nick was talking about, but yet there was still this kind of void here. Mm-hmm. And, um, the more we started looking at towns around and, um, kind of just trying to envision ourselves within somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, Point Pleasant seemed to be a really, really good spot okay. in the way of, you know, just how, how the town is and, uh, like you know it's close to a lot of things and uh like i said there was that little hole that yeah. we thought could be a really good opportunity for mm-hmm.
1: us and the town was up for it willing yeah to the town work. was amazing as
0: soon as we put it before them, they were you know happy to work with us and you know interested but like you know there was no really big roadblocks they were mm-hmm. they were excited to have us you know and we were excited to be here and like i so, said the downtown community, was, it wasn't like there was much resistance from anybody. Like I said, we're, all the bars here are great and we have pretty good relationships with everybody. So it was like one of those things Like we just, it felt right when you're right. here. Like, you know, there is that, you know, intangible feeling. Like I said, you look around, you like walk down downtown, it's got a nice feeling. It's a Jersey Shore town, but it's, you know, it's got some character to it. It's got a great history, of, you know, for fishing and, you know, stuff like that. It's pretty unique. So I mm-hmm. mean, it's got its own character and we really like and a year round feel to it. Like mm-hmm. this place doesn't shut down. So, you know, it's nice to see faces you see year round and you know, a lot of people coming in. So that's yeah, the perfect. town was awesome.
1: Cool, that's a good thing. So you guys opened on Memorial Day 2017. Yeah. yeah. How long before that did you really get serious and like start to do the paperwork, the planning?
2: Yeah, I think we, um, we registered the business. Itself in August of
1: 2015,
2: okay, um, and started started planning from there. Um, so that was so August 2015. We talked to we really so one of the things that we did do uh, coming up to meeting with the town was we wanted to make sure that all of the possible objections to doing something like this were addressed not only for our sake in understanding if we're going to fit well in town mm-hmm. but also making sure that the town understands what our intentions are and ironing all that out actually took a long time with uh with our, our lawyer who's, who was amazing and just kind of like guiding us through the process and understanding um what the town would be looking for mm-hmm. uh, because you know obviously nick and i haven't done anything like this before so um, having good help uh, to do the good expertise is something we found is, a, is is tough to yeah. come by but also very very crucial we went in front of the board in april of 16 and so they said the board said yes and um we had been you know in talks with our landlords, um, luckily at that point they worked w- well with us as well, so we weren't paying rent here yet.
0: Um, oh, okay, that's good. <laughs> so yeah, it, it definitely helped. Yeah, it was keep. like a contingency agreement. Like as long as we got the approval, then it then would, we're then the wheels yeah. would be in motion. Okay. Um, so I think we got the keys in
2: June uh, of that year. We started kind of you know demoing, just ripping stuff out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we needed the architectural and, and uh, engineering. engineering plans done all at that point. So. That all took, I don't know, until September-ish, and then it was into the town, and the town got us back in November. So right at the end of November, starting in early December, really, we started hitting this place hard. Okay. Um, and, you know, this was, a, this was an antique shop. Um, so we, we had to say we had to manhandle this place into a brewery. It didn't have the <laughs> it didn't have the plumbing. It didn't have the electrical. Uh, it didn't have any of the drainage uh, or the majority of the drainage that we yeah, needed yeah. outside, like from the inside of the building all the way to the outside of the building. So we ripped up outside, inside because we saw the potential in a spot yeah. right here. Um, and it was just like, a you know, it was too great of a spot not to, not yeah. to put the effort in. Um, and it destroyed our budget. Absolutely.
0: But, um, yeah, I mean, that's, and, and that's any business. Like right. you said, whatever, I'm like, I come from a family that has a lot of small businesses are all, and he's like, you know, whatever you think it's going to cost, you know, double it. And all right. And then double it, it again. <laughs> usually, yeah, that usually gets, it usually comes in pretty accurately. Like I said, you, you have an idea of how it works and what does it cost, but there's always something you don't see no matter how much you plan. Even if we've done this, if we did this again, it'd probably still be stuff we missed. But, yeah. you know, like I said, we had a great help from our families and friends like you said to make it happen oh, because yeah. you know like there was a lot of work and when you look up and you're like wow we did a lot but like how much more is there to go but like i said it it's impressive that it all came together like it, you, i'm still impressed by it like when you, you sit here and think like where i was last year at this time and we were, mm-hmm. you know struggling. we were putting like said, so we had full-time jobs and we're putting you know eight hours in our day job, we're putting six to eight hours in after work, and then we're here 12, 14, 15, sometimes 18 hours on a Saturday and Sunday. So
1: there, we're in here
0: swinging hammers and moving stuff around yeah. and yeah. building. Building and tables, putting the bar together ourselves. Like I said, drywall. I mean, any any job you don't want to do, they were here every weekend helping us. Yeah, right? excellent. So, you know, like I said, it was definitely a team effort. Like I said, there's a lot of people, you know, there may be three full-time employees at last wave, but it's a it's a big team that got us here. Gotcha. So. Yeah.
2: And even even after we launched, I mean, they were here, hanging out for a few weekends while we were ironing out the kinks with staffing. You know, just having yeah. people here to, to
0: yeah, because that's I mean, we got we were like we're well, on Memorial Day weekend, like friends, and they're like, Ugh. <laughs> like, it's Memorial Day weekend at the beach, you know what I mean? Like, it's not having a crowd is not going to be a problem. It's going to having too much of a crowd, and we, right. they said we were. I mean, it was. It was insane. Like it I was mean, packed. It was, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, like I said, all winter long we're doing construction. It was people knocking on the window? Like you know, people that have now become regulars and we know, by, like you know, what, what's <laughs> going on? You know, when you guys open it? You know, it was, we said spring. They're like, well, it's already May. It's like you know, spring goes till June. So. <laughs> but no, like I said, it was. The, we could tell there was excitement around us, so we wanted to make sure it looked good and make sure the beer was good. So we didn't want to rush it, but we knew that you know, I mean, it's summer at the Jersey Shore. Like we wanted to make sure we captured that and right. get that momentum because it helped. Like I mean. We got a lot of attention in the summer and I think our beers were like I said, our beers we were happy with how they came out and people responded well to it. But like yeah, it was it was like I said, we were till the till the final hour. We were putting All the right. final nails in place, getting the inspection maybe the day before we said we were gonna have our soft opening. So This was called red so yeah, this is Red Sky. This yeah. is called
2: red ale. Yeah. Um, and this is like I said, this was one of the first beers that we started really like kinda honing in.
0: Um, also, the first beer we brewed professionally. So okay. it was. was this yeah. 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 was the first beer here. Yeah, like, yeah. We're like yeah. If, okay. we're, if we're going to make one beer right the first time, or you know, get as close as we think we can, it's going to be the red ale. Like it's, you know, it's it's got its own space. Like it's not a it's not a lot of people touting just a regular red ale, but mm-hmm. it it hits a mark. You know, it's got this. It fits in like it's not it's not a it's not a yellow beer it's not a but it's not a heavy beer but it's got flavor it's mm-hmm. balanced it's, yeah. Yeah. it's got
2: that nice caramel up front with like yeah. us say kind of a vanilla in the middle and still finishes dry it's not super sweet yeah. but it does have a low bitterness so it has yeah. a, kind of some of that faux sweetness I said my
0: it. mom doesn't really drink beer but uh, she enjoys she, that one she, so I mean, like I said it's,
1: well that's important to have a beer that people yeah. will drink who aren't in yeah. to craft beer, yeah, have something that's approachable yeah. that, that other yeah, that other I mean, people like I said, drink. some
0: people see the color and they like because it is pretty red, like it's, it's mm-hmm. like sanguine. It's like with the this color you describe it. It's got like a body to it, but it doesn't sit like a you know mm-hmm. like a dark beer. So it it has its own niche and it's one of our best sellers out to bars. You know, still in the tasting room. Like like I said, it's not an excite. It doesn't like have the sex appeal of like a double dry hopped IPA or something something stout, but you know good beer is good beer you yeah. know like style like I said our mantra style matters and like there's a certain style to it it's got it's understated you know underdog kind of approach but it works so what are we, what are we drinking now so this is a frame this is yeah. our um
2: this is our low bitterness um like tropical fruit flavor IPA, so okay. um, we we like to call it wheat IPA because it has yeah. it's predominantly wheat. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people kind of get thrown by that. Uh, don't really know what it is. Um, wheat kind of gives it a, a nice body and a silky smoothness. Mm-hmm. Um, that along with a little bit of oats, but uh, really the hop selection is for that that tropical yeah. fruit, that really nice like. Um, I mean, there's probably a little mango in there as well as uh, passion yeah. fruit, mm-hmm. and it just comes through with that. With that low bitterness, is a really nice introduction to, for. Not that it's not an IPA. I mean, anybody who drinks IPAs can love this beer, but it's also a great introduction for people who like. They come up and they say, "I don't like IPAs." <laughs> yeah, and yeah, they're like, "Well, you know, like we're at a brewery. Like, can yeah. I keep an open mind here." Yeah, and they end up really liking this beer because yeah. it's not. It's not as. Is punchy and the bitterness yeah. um, which is good
1: it, it's for a bunch of years it was the race to yeah
0: 100 arms pull, race yeah right
1: to super bitter yeah 9% it, it
0: alcohol and you know 100 it, whatever IBUs it, it seems like, like it's backed off a bit
1: yeah and it's like the whole yeah. New England IPA thing yeah. they're yeah. not very hoppy they're, they're approachable yeah. so
0: it's it's nice well, yeah. to and like ours is coming back to earth a little yeah, bit yeah yeah. Like, yeah even when that like I <laughs> said even when we started brewing, I was like it's like flavor like you know there's you know alcohol's great in beer it's a nice benefit but it's not that shouldn't be your goal is to like oh it's going to be this much to be there like you know we balance it so there's you know you can enjoy the flavor like said so, right. and that was always like and the funny thing is this beer like one of our favorite one of my favorite beers was little something something by Lagunita mm-hmm, yeah. so yeah. That's a wheat IPA. Like that was, you know, before there was a, you know, before anyone was talking about. It, that's what they were doing out there, and it was different, but it was like really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So like it was like, yeah. can we make a beer that's kind of in that same realm as we came up with? Yeah. And like, and I think it's got a little bit more
2: bitterness to to really like get it to IPA level. It's it's not as much as like a New England like juice bomb type right. IPA. It's got enough in there to still make it kind yeah. of yeah. in that vein. Yeah, kind of, of,
1: yeah.
0: But in every every IPA doesn't have to be a triple IPA yeah exactly yeah. yeah like I said you don't and a stout doesn't have to hit a certain you know and you're seeing that more now like I said you're even seeing stouts in the six you know five six percent range like a traditional Irish stout mm-hmm. which is good because it almost tastes good you know yeah. it's you know that's what's important so yeah, like yeah. I said we, we enjoy like flavor and you know that's all, always our goal is to like provide balance and you know like you know different flavors like it's not it doesn't you know we're not focusing on trying to get certain amount the of the most almost, yeah, yeah. Oh. It, now I, I can't see the board from
1: here how many beers do you usually have going um, it's usually
2: uh, between uh, like 10 to 13 uh, I don't think we fully uh, sometimes we'll have variations of yeah those yeah beers so it's well. usually at least
0: kind of. 10 and then like you know if we we have room for variants we'll throw one or two variants we've done um, I think the most popular one still was a cigar box um, our cigar box red like we took some old cigar box wood and aged it on that red that we just drank and it mm-hmm. was like it's. Really, I mean it's something we not to, experimented with home yeah. brewing but like yeah. it's it's different and it is. it was like I mean we still have people that come in and like yeah like hey you got that cigar box <laughs> yeah yeah like, when's the next <laughs> yeah. cigar box it's like it's tough to find cigar boxes it's a, yeah. to find what we had yeah because it would really produce a unique but like and just a great flavor. So it's a tobacco-y so, infused. It's not even tobacco. It's like more wood? about the wood yeah. and then you yeah. get the scent of the cigar, you know, the leaf okay. or whatever. And that was really like a combination of it really just like it, it, it like had this aroma and it had the woody bite, but like, you know, like, you know, whiskey barrel-aged stuff, it has whiskey and <laughs> like, you're not really getting the wood flavor. Like, you know, Spanish mahogany is what cigar box was made of because it's very good at absorbing humidity. Um, It's got its own unique flavor too. It's another wood. It's a different oak. Yeah. It's like
2: extra vanilla.
0: Yeah. It can can replace, you know, hops almost at a certain point. We've done it with IPAs and it can take over, but not in a bad way. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, the hops are there to give it, balance out the sweetness of, you know, the malt. So, you know, wood can do that. You know, why not? Yeah. You know, now you guys are distributing too as well, right?
1: It's not just in the tap room.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're, uh, we're at about twenty six ish bars, yeah, 25 or six, and it, it, we're growing every every
0: yeah. week. Yeah, like I said, we're just, I mean, there's a lot of great beer bars in New Jersey, which is mm-hmm. you know people. I mean, and that comes from the people that are drinking the beer. Like you know, they're gonna they're gonna bars are gonna put what people are asking for. So I mean, it's good to see that there's a lot of people asking for not just craft beer but local craft beer. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's great to go in and see you know five or six you know. New Jersey breweries on tap because there's a lot of great beer across the country but you know I think you're starting to see that New Jersey really you know the fact like we were saying like a couple two New Jersey breweries went home with gold medals in the Great American Beer Fest this year like that's nothing to laugh at you know no, it's just no. serious stuff and that's really cool so yeah. and it's, it is great like the last
1: year and a half or so you start to I mean there's a, there's a few bars that are just yeah. Ultra beer, yeah. but even local bars, and you're starting to see yeah. at least yeah. a couple of taps of local of local beer. You know, people yeah. ask
2: for it, yeah. and then yeah, like yeah. you know,
1: they pay with their or they vote yeah. with their wallet. Oh, yep. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's, there's growlers, growl, uh, growlers. Are you canning yet or bottling? No canning yet. Um, we're working on that. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: um, we're we're trying to iron out some of the the volume yeah. uh, that we have going out right now.
0: Because it's one of those things like. And say, well, I was talking, you know, when talking to the guys that do the canning things, it's like it's great, you know. A lot of these breweries do canning, but you have to make sure there's somewhere for those cans to go. You know, right. you know, it's not just you're not going to sell, you know, ten barrels of cans right out of the tasting room, no matter right. how good your beer is. You know, you have to like, there's a lot. Like I said, it's like anything else in doing this. Like you have to really look at, you know, you know, a how to do it and how's the best way to do it, and you know, make sure you have your ducks in a row before mm-hmm. you kind of, you know, you, like I said, you've got to, you've got to think about all these things. Thanks, guys.
1: You can visit their tasting room on Bay Avenue in the heart of Point Pleasant Beach, New Jersey. You can find their hours and beer lineup at their website, lastwavebrewing.com. Check out the blog at overbeers.beer. Please leave a rating for the podcast on iTunes or where you get your podcasts. It helps. You can also leave a comment at the blog or send me an email. I'd love to hear your thoughts and ideas for the show. The email address is cheers at santefoto.com. You can also follow along on Instagram at santefoto. S-A-N-T-E-P-H-O-T-O. I'm Freddie Clark, and I'm going to go have a beer. But I'll be back next week with another conversation over beers.